0: This is episode 146 of the Landscape Photography Show. And before we get into the content for today, I just want to tell you about the sponsor for the show, and that's Landscape Photography University. Right now, you can go to landscapephotographyuniversity.com slash stream and begin your first free streaming class. It's on compositions, and the three composition hacks you can use to become a better photographer and start creating better photos immediately. Again, that's landscapephotographyuniversity.com slash stream and start learning about how you can create better photos with composition and doing so really, really well. It's only about 30 to 40 minutes long, so really quick watch. And again, that is free content for you to consume at landscapephotographyuniversity.com slash stream. But right now, let's get into today's episode. Last week, you heard part one of my conversation with Adam Carnach, and Adam and I talked about, you know, getting into the more thoughtful side of photography outside of the techniques of photography and, you know, shutter speed, aperture, ISO, and getting overwhelmed with those things, and how to settle down and create a composition out of what you notice about the landscape. That's a huge part of photography, because in in my opinion the great photos come out of what you notice about the landscape, particularly what the light is doing in the landscape. And what what it takes to notice those things is just sitting there and seeing it all come together, sitting there and watching it come together, sitting there and observing the landscape and just sitting back and relaxing. If you spend all your time having these thoughts come in and out of your mind about what's what and how it's put together and leading lines and all this stuff, you're gonna get overwhelmed in the process. If you just take it easy, remember why you love photography in the first place and just get out there and chill out and, and relax and just watch, just sit there in silence and watch and see it come together, you're gonna start notice things that make you go, wow, that, that's, that's amazing. And usually those are the moments that make you wanna take a photograph, right? If it makes you say, wow, you should probably get your camera out and take a picture because it could turn into a great image. Now, once you notice those things about, wow, this is awesome, how cool, then you start forming composition around that reaction because the reaction that you have is gonna be the reaction that your viewer has. And we don't do it all for the viewer, but that's what makes a great photo, is how you can relay a sense of awe to another person through an image. Um, And when you start to form a composition around what makes you react a certain way, that's what makes a great photograph. So we're gonna be talking about more of that with Adam Carnach today. Again, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to episode 145 before you listen to this one, and then come back and listen to this one. If you did listen to episode 145, thank you so much. And But right now, let's get to part two of my interview with Adam Carnach. That, no, that's a great point. And it's funny you bring that up. Um, I, for years, when I was learning how to use the camera, would just sit in a restaurant and just look at all, whether it be a painting, an actual photo, just something random all the on the wall, I would just think, what were the settings that were used to capture that? Or what would be the settings that would be used to capture that light that the painter used in, in that image? Or for like uh, even down to a pencil sketch, like how could that be used in a black and white? Could could I do the same thing with a photo? And, and it's, I, I don't know what, it, what it's like for you. It's that obsession. Like for me and, and it, what you said about um just trying other things, the, the artistic side of just being a photographer brings up uh, the story of, I, I was watching a, an Art Wolf presentation one time, and he was just going through all these photo examples of you know in studio wildlife travel food landscape and portrait just out in the open and somebody asked him at the end you know how do you how do you have the mindset to go from one genre to the next and his response was so simple and he was just like i'm just a photographer it's it's just what i do it's how i see the world and and the way People niche themselves down um, can be good in one sense because you're able to master a genre, but it can also be detrimental if you find yourself stuck in that because you're unwilling to progress in another genre.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I, I was talking about that as well the other day, and I think you're right. I get frustrated when uh, people say that you have to specialize. I don't think you do, like, particularly if you're an amateur there's not there's absolutely no requirement for you to specialize you can you because if you do you might be missing out on something you've not tried or something you'll end up really loving and being really good at once you've built up a wealth of experience if you then end up specializing i think that's fair enough and if you want to be commercial in any way i think you can present the commercial aspect of what you're doing as your specialty but it doesn't mean you have to stop taking other pictures in your own time um i think i mean i think it's a kind of it's just the way the market is with commercial photography though i think like if people don't want to hire a jack of all trades i think i think they want to know that you are a pro wedding photographer or you are one of the best landscape photographers that they can possibly afford to hire that kind of thing to do to do the work for them.
0: The sad part about that, though, with people who aren't doing it professionally is that it then bleeds over into the hobbyist market. Yes. Um, which I think... I've probably done a disservice to people in saying, you know, landscape, this is what I do, this is all I do. That's just because I love it the most. But I'll take yeah. a camera out and, and photograph anything. And and even down to like can your local camera clubs, I would encourage them to go full genre and, and photograph all types of things.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's kind of misrepresent I think I'm probably guilty of that as well, of this sort of misrepresentation of what my photography has, my entire photography experience has been because people see me doing landscape photography. I did a bit of macro and stuff previously on on the YouTube channel, but I really only do landscape photography now and I've said that. But it's not the... Yeah, I spent years doing other stuff, you know, like portraits and having two daughters, like photographing them. All the times so I'm always taking portraits, but I wouldn't. I've done some studio work with strobes and stuff, and I would, but I would never sell myself as that because but I, just partly because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, but I think like you, I don't think there's any problem with kind of doing. Even if you want to be commercially successful, I, I think if I wanted to, I'm known as a landscape photographer now, but I, I think I could switch to being a studio portrait photographer if I wanted to and just publicly shift everything o- over to that and just almost pull myself out of one pigeonhole that people have got me in and put myself into another one and you can rebrand you can rebrand it just takes it just takes some time and you might have to kind of rebuild your audience or your client your client list or whatever um, I mean that's the kind of beauty of having the youtube channel as well really is that i can kind of if i wanted to shift it i could but yeah. i don't want to at the moment because i just i love doing the landscape stuff but i think you're right like i think we need to be encouraging people to try lots of different things and not pigeonhole themselves too early and i think there's all there's also just like i said earlier there's just no there's no shortcut to getting great images you've just got to you might get lucky to start with once or twice but you have just got to practice you have to practice like it's it's the thing that never really gets said it's like it's hard graft and practice and work to get good at something and like if we're suggesting photography you don't have to do that then we're saying that photography is not worthy or doesn't mean it doesn't have any deeper meaning do you know what i mean and, and i'm it does for me it's an art form like any other and to to get anywhere approaching like being really good at it you've got to put the hard work in and there's no shortcut
0: i, I want to ask you this question um i asked it to richard burnaby last week and it was the question on realism and photography and i think our discussion blends beautifully into this question because in other art forms like we've been talking about drawing painting they are not bound to realism um, with landscape photography in particular we are bound to that type of realism and truth now they're technologies like artificial intelligence where you can just you know type a few things into the keywords and and produce an image out of nothing um with a connection to a photo this is for you specifically with a connection to a photo emotionally do do you see yourself more as being bound to realistic um or are you also interested in in pushing outside of that
1: i i take I make my photos based on what I want to see as a viewer hmm. of, of images. So you've touched on a lot of things there that <laughs> have got my back up at the moment, if I'm honest. Uh, I how, how do you feel about AI and stuff like that?
0: I think it's, it's a natural progression based on where other genres and technology are going. Um, I don't have a problem with people creating it or doing it. I, I don't like that style of photography for myself and I don't enjoy doing that, but I also have no problem with other people doing, I think, I think the interesting thing about it in photography is that if a digital artist made the same thing, it would be, there would be no qualms about it whatsoever. Yeah. But the the thing is with photography, the second you say, well, I clone stamped or merged this from two different times, um, the, the connection that somebody else might have to it immediately dissipates and goes away. Yeah. And I find that fascinating um, how we're the only medium uh, in, in art that has that binding contract to realism.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll take you on a, a roundabout journey to actually answer your question. Cause I want to, Just to share something I've been thinking about the last few weeks, and it's not something I've talked about yet. But someone said something to me about virtual reality the other day, and it was it was something that they were were really excited about where virtual reality and Web three and the metaverse and all that sort of stuff was going. And I was thinking, like, well, we've had VR. For quite a while now. And some of these Oculus-type systems are pretty good. And I've had a go with them. I played I played a Star Wars game that was quite good fun. And I played a boxing one where you've got this VR headset on. And you're stood in the middle of a boxing ring with this absolutely massive guy facing you. All the crowd watching. And it feels like you're there. And you kind of lose... The sense of that you stood in a small room, but then I was thinking, well, why, why hasn't VR taken off? Like, why, why don't we all want to be doing this? Like, sitting in a virtual room, like we could be now. Do you know what I mean? We, why are we not sat in a virtual room having this discussion rather than looking at our screens with headphones and a microphone? And, and I think that it's it's because deep down. We don't want it because every t- every time I've had a go of VR, I've been glad to get out of it back into reality. And I-, I think we've underestimated or tech people have underestimated how much we crave a connection to reality and to nature and to these things that are, that give us that sense of fulfilment and meaning in our lives, like the time you spend with your children or your friends in reality. That can't be replaced by VR, in my in my mind. Even if I mean we could be in the simulation, couldn't we now? But let's put that theory aside for a minute. Until you believe in a hundred percent that you're in it, I don't think we're ever gonna accept it. And I don't think it's ever gonna be popular. And that leads all the way back to answering your question. I think photography, because of the nature of that technology, non-photographers look at a photograph and think that it's just intrinsically, because of the technology and our history with photography, they think that is a representation of reality. Now, as a landscape photographer, I don't think I'm a document... I'm not a documentary photographer. So I'm not taking it. An exact documentary of the landscape. And I think that, in very simple terms, by me taking a photograph of a mountain scene at sunset when the sky is pink and it looks incredible. Even that is only. I, I'm creating this piece of work of that now. Even like with only very subtle editing. That only happens. For about five minutes every, maybe once a week. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen very often. That scene doesn't look anything like that for most of the time. So, we're even in that sense, we're representing that reality in a slightly non documentary way. But when I do my editing, I I think I'm similar to you in this sense. Like, I don't, I want to keep it, I want to keep that connection to reality. So it's, there are certain enhancements made with maybe, con- well, things that, things that are more subjective. So things like brightness. I, I don't know if I'm seeing the same brightness as you. <laughs> colour. How, 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 we don't know how each other perceive colour. Yes, it's certain sort of wavelengths, but we don't know if red looks red to each other do you know what I mean like we don't know that and the same with contrast and sharpness so I think those sort of things can be adjusted with a fairly high amount of freedom in post-processing without moving it away from reality I mean you can go too far with the saturation slider can't you but um, I like black and white photographs that push contrast completely to each end of of the of the value chain which but it's still based in reality I think even though you're kind of artistically pushing the blacks and the whites either way so yeah so I think with with the photography I do I want it to be as real as possible and most definitely connected to reality so that's why I, I don't like AI in photography at all. Even in adverts, people say, "Like people say, well, it's, it's great for commercial photographers doing a bit of an ad- advert." I still don't like that because I think what I've come to realise, and it may be why I became a police officer as well, is that I just want the truth. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be deceived. I think goes back to why if we're sort of calling them digital artists we know we're in on it we're not being deceived in any way we know they are, and same with a painter we know they have total freedom to create something out of their mind but I don't think we have that as photography. If, if you want to be I don't know, it depends what you want doesn't it, it's each to their own like I'm, not, I'm not judging or I'm not being I'm not setting myself up as a gatekeeper, but I think most people who are not photographers like think photography is based on reality. And the, the, I mean, his, photography history is littered with occasions when people have been called out over this. And it never ends well for them, does it? Like, <laughs> it never. Like, it, it's, that, that, sti- that sticks with you if you've kind of tried to pull the wool over people's eyes. Because we want people we want to follow and we want to follow people with who are credible and authentic and who who are honest and tell the truth and that's kind of that's what i try to make my photography about so i wouldn't add i certainly wouldn't add in objects to to my image uh, or anything like that specifically sky swapping and stuff like that which I'm not a big fan of, but like I say, each to their own. I'm not, I'm not the judge. Hey everybody, real
0: quick. I just want to remind you of the sponsor for the podcast and that's landscape photography university. If you go right now to landscape slash stream, you can start streaming your free class in landscape photography. And this is a free course. That's going to basically tell you, Hey, here are three things that you can do right now after listening to this podcast and watching the stream right now that you can do to become a better photographer to start creating better images in the intro you heard me talk about forming a composition around what makes you say wow we're going to dive deeper into that in the free streaming course so go to landscapephotographycom stream and start streaming that free class right now but in the meantime let's get back to my discussion with adam carnage I think a lot of it comes in. People just want to live vicariously through other people, and if that reality is severed, that that you know, it's not a signed binding contract. But if that's severed and the trust is severed, then how can you really trust in other ways? And <clears throat> it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, um, and, and it's interesting for for you. And I too, being, being on YouTube, I mean, we're kind of bound extra, especially if we go out and like, this is what you're seeing. This is what my photo looks like. If we put up a photo that looked nothing like where we actually were, people would be like, wait a minute. That's, that's not right.
1: I think that's, I think that's a blessing as much as anything else though, because it can work the other way around where someone sees an image of yours, like you And they think, wow, there's no way that happened. There's no way you captured that, looking like that. And then you can just say, well, actually, here is the video where I made that image. That was one of the things uh, I liked, that I was able to do when I published my book, was to have the images, have some of the stories about when I was in the police and some of the crazy stuff that I dealt with and horrific stuff and things in the police but then at the at the end of the book I put QR codes so you can scan them the the QR code next to the image that's earlier in the book full page that take you to the YouTube video where you can see me then make that make that image which I thought was it, it was Kind of a privilege to be able to do that i think and, and like you say we are confined if we're wanting to be that kind of authentic photographer to to make these images honest to go with a video really
0: for for youtube it's come up a few times um
1: let me let me ask
0: you this where did the name first man photography come from
1: because uh, my surname is Karnach, uh-huh. so it's it, that's Polish. My granddad was Polish, and during the Second World War, after the Second, he fought for the Allies in the Second World War, and then came over to England after the war. And uh, people have always had difficulty saying it when they read it, and then spelling it. When they hear it, so I thought for for my kind of network effect to extend online, that wasn't going to work. So I thought, well, I'll just come up with a brand name, basically. So I just went with First Man, as in Adam, uh, and went with it like that. So it was something a bit more, uh, some, something a bit more memorable that you could that people could spell, basically, and search for.
0: What do you attribute? I Well, I always joke with people from the UK who have a YouTube channel. I mean, if you're a photographer in the UK, you, you've got to have a YouTube channel, right? It's yeah. It just comes with the territory of where you are. Um, what do you attribute your success to on YouTube?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Because if you'd asked me that four years ago, I would have said, it as a landscape photographer, it's because of the geography. So I live in a city called Leeds, which is kind of northern central part of England. And within an hour and a half, two hours of my house, I have access to about four different national parks. That sort of starbursting from where I live. Which gave me the ability to travel around to all these locations and the nice thing say about the lake district as well is that you can do a two two three hour hike and have like five or six incredible views because it's quite contained and small it's not like yosemite where you've got to walk 10 miles to get a different view <laughs> or something yeah. like that that i would have said that four years ago because of the geography and that is i mean that's still a benefit it makes it slightly easier to find places to shoot and i can wake up on the morning and think oh where am i going to go today have a look at the weather and then go to the best looking place so i'm fortunate for that but there are now thousands of people making videos in the uk and that same success hasn't come to them when i look at other, I, I, i'm struggling to answer your question about myself because i don't want to sort of sound like an idiot but when I, there's only a few other people that I will watch and it's because of them and their personality and the story that they they are telling and the connection that they make with both the landscape if that's what they're doing or the audience so again it's like that It's kind of going back to what I was saying about how I try and do my landscape photography it's still even with landscapes it's still I'm still looking for kind of some human connection like I think you can look at a really good landscape image and see that that really meant something to the photographer that took it. It just feels special. And I think that's the same with the videos. Like, it's what connection is that person making to the audience? Are they saying something? Are they just regurgitating the same stuff over and over again? Or regurgitating the stuff that other people have said? Or are they saying something more interesting? That's that's original thought. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, which is why I, I think I've tried to shift the direction I've gone in to make it more about the journey, I suppose, and the the, the human experience. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I mean, it could be some. It could be something as simple as that. I got in there earlier than a lot of people did. So I had that kind of network effect early on because there was only, in the UK, there was only Thomas Heaton and I doing it for the first year or so. And then a few others came in after that and they got fairly big as well. And then after that, it became a bit more saturated and it was harder to get into it. I don't really know. Hard work as well. I feel it's one of the things one of my best friends told me one time when we were younger, is he attributed a lot of his early success to outworking the next guy, hmm. and I think that's something I've tried to live by as well. So it's just, and I mean, you you know now with having a child is that if you want to do any photography, it's that's extra on top of all your duties as a dad and a family person and a family man, like or a family woman. So you've just got to work harder. I mean I don't recommend this but when I started the YouTube channel I was still doing a full time job I then came home sorted my kids out for a bit until they went to bed then went and did then went and filmed a video for four or five hours put it straight out had about four three or four hours sleep every night and then did the whole thing again the next day so it was it was yeah I was working like 16 17 hour days when I first started possibly more than that but I don't recommend kind of having that little sleep because it's not good for you but I've managed to find a slightly more sustainable pattern now but um, yeah like I, I don't think there's any replacement for hard work at all Is in, it... in any in any success
0: yeah uh, photography too I mean really you're not looking at comparing yourself to some other photographer you're looking to compare yourself to your last photo and is this next photo is it 1% better and i think that slow approach consistency to it is you know what you do cuz i mean i look down at it and now i'm uh 12 years into my photography and um, Yeah, you know, I can look back at the early photos and kind of like what you said, you know, you have that connection and you can see why I took the photo, but I can you know, tear it apart if I'm critiquing it. Now I can go back and, and the, uh, the, all the journey has come together to the point where, you know, it's technically sound, hopefully composition is there, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you're able to also tell a story through it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. i think story is absolutely everything whether it's the youtube videos i try to take people i try to tell a story or take people on a little journey even the videos i'm just seen to camera in the, in the studio here i'm trying to take you on a little sort of a little journey with me through thought rather than an actual journey but yeah story even in your sort of single frame photograph is important even if it's not immediately obvious to the viewer I think if you're trying to tell a story then it will have a better chance of resonating but I think one of the things I think some people struggle with is that they see people on YouTube having success and get frustrated with that and what they sometimes don't see is that we're doing the photo- we're doing the photography like they are and they're getting frustrated as well that they're not getting any traction and people are not noticing their photos and that I mean that that comes down to hard work behind the scenes Do you know like for every for every, every any successful uh, professional photographer or amateur photographer who has a big following it comes down to that like hard work behind the scenes that you don't always see. And I, I mean, I, I, I've i been fortunate enough to work with some very successful and well-known professional photographers in this country who sort of, I'm lucky enough to, they're sort of mentoring me. But like, they did a lot of things behind the scenes to get to where they are. It's not just being because they're great photographers. There's a lot, if you want to have any kind of success commercially or even just as an amateur who can sell some books and pictures and stuff then you've got to do a lot of the kind of work behind the scenes as well haven't you as as i'm sure you know who's the one who presents podcasts and has a youtube channel
0: (laughs) well i think on that like a lot of the behind the scenes work not only reaching out to potential sponsors, um, clients, brands. I I think a lot of it comes down to the people who follow you. Like it means a lot that somebody would actually hit subscribe, hit follow, um, ring a notification bell, something like that. And I talk about behind the scenes work. I do my best to go back into social media and send a direct message video to each person who follows me saying, thank you. That means a lot. And just I mean, a 10 second video to somebody that could mean the world to them. And that can creates that connection that, you know, it's, it's not just vague. It's not opaque, but it's actual human connection through those platforms.
1: Yeah. I think so many, so many, uh, well-known photographers and other genres in social media, they, they don't reply at all to comments and things. I tr- I mean, I try to as often as I can but it it, it does get overwhelming though and mm. I can understand why people don't respond because it can it can be bad for your mental health yeah uh, because people think they know you and they know a good portion of you but not everything and I I don't like to sort of share I probably share it more than I probably should, but I don't share everything. So, if, say if I'm ill, I'm not going to tell you I'm ill because I don't, I just don't talk about that kind of stuff. I just suffer in silence and get on with it. Um, but that means I'll go quiet for a few days. Yeah. And I won't respond to emails. And I won't, because I try to reply to people's emails as much as I can. I mean, emails are a challenge, but I won't reply to stuff on Twitter or, uh, YouTube, and people, people get upset. I had, I had someone the other week, get getting really annoyed with me on Twitter, because I hadn't replied to him on something that he'd posted below one of my posts, and then accused me of like, not being part of a community. And I'm like, look, mate, seriously, I posted something. I went and spent the weekend with my kids and doing stuff around the house, and then I have logged back on, and you're cross with me, and you're <laughs> angry with me. Like, sit, try and see it from my perspective for a minute, uh, and he, he didn't. So we we agreed, we agreed to disagree. But it's taken me, to be fair, it's taken me a long, long time to get used to the negative comments and sort of be able to be able to ignore them or just not let it rattle me because it did for a while which is silly because when i was in a when i was a police officer people were always shouting abuse at me and it sure. didn't, it, that didn't bother me at all and in real life it doesn't but when people put it in black and white on social media it's kind of there permanently and it kind of hurts a bit more for some reason i don't know how you how do you feel about that do you get do you yeah get it took with people
0: it took me a while to to get used to it um just because i'm i'm more of like a people pleaser i feel like Uh, and i'll put myself aside so i can you know help help them out with what's going on or something like that and then um if you let that continue to kind of fester inside of you what happens is you end up with resentment and then you know if you resent people who are spending time time to follow you and they they might even not know you feel that way like yeah. they're going on with their life too so for me it was just like i'm gonna get to as much as i can um without feeling like i'm just completely burning out and you know connections will be made and you know connections will be lost along the way too and that's just how it is
1: i think that comes back to the the authenticity and the honesty and the truth yeah. like if, if you're operating like that and you're not trying to trick anybody, then you can just be yourself at all times. So if someone gets upset with you because you were just being your authentic self, then there's nothing you can do about it, is the So you, and you can't, you're never going to please everybody. So in fact, you don't want to please everybody. No. You, you need to be, I mean, the most, I mean, any interesting artist has some divisive, part of what they do don't they so like Banksy is a good example of that he he creates this incredible artwork but some people see it as graffiti and hmm. criminal damage you know I mean it's so it's I think you, you don't want to be so bland that <laughs> you don't say anything that's ever going to upset anybody but I think if you're just being yourself and being honest and truthful to yourself then I, th- I think you can be comfortable if you upset the odd person here and there and just yeah. try it like you say try and understand what what their issue is yeah, uh, yeah. with some uh, with a bit of empathy
0: definitely definitely well Adam a- as we kind of land the plane here <clears throat> I want to give you the opportunity to to share where people can find you and and follow you further and maybe some things you have coming up that people can be aware of
1: too yeah sure thank you um I think First and foremost, just go and follow me on YouTube at First Man Photography, if you haven't done so already, uh, you can go to my website, firstmanphotography.com, as well. It's linked up on all the YouTube videos as well, uh, where I have a book for sale, like I mentioned brief, briefly earlier. It's called Illumination, and it's uh, got some pretty pictures in there, What <laughs> what hopefully you will think are pretty pictures, but... Like I said, it's kind of it's kind of a story of my journey from being a full-time police officer, sorry, to being a full-time photographer, and using that those experiences I had in the police, many of which are chronicled, or some of which are chronicled in the book, that were very difficult, tragic, and uh, violent at times, and building a philosophy around that and how I coped with that to then now make my photographs and that's why I kind of wanted to call it Illumination because it's kind of out of that darkness of, this, of the darker parts of life we can the light comes doesn't it and we can use that to make our photographs so yeah it's called Illumination so you can get that at First Man Photography or just follow me on Twitter I think if you want to hear me chat on about some other stuff as well <laughs> I'm a bit more, probably a bit, little bit more diverse with what I talk about on Twitter because it kind of, that's what the platform sucks you in, doesn't it? To all these different conversations and stuff. So yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, awesome, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us, sharing your thoughts. I, I know a lot of it was illuminating. If I can just do like <laughs> a little cliche plug for your book. It was illuminating and, and really enjoyable for me too.
1: No, thank you. I, um, it was, yeah, I hope I didn't chew your ear off too much, but I, <laughs> I really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you so much for inviting me on your excellent podcast.
0: So these were... Two really timely episodes i feel like for a lot of us as photographers you know coming out of a busy year maybe you're coming out of fall if you're in the northern hemisphere maybe you're coming out of spring if you're in the southern hemisphere and we're kind of tired at this point you know we spend a lot of time in those seasons taking photos now we're thinking what else what else can i do in the coming months in the coming years with my photography This is a great episode to listen to because it gets back to the roots of a lot of us for why we love photography in the first place. So number one, I'm just really thankful for you for listening to the podcast. Number two, I'm really thankful for Adam for being so vulnerable and honest with his answers in the podcast. And if you enjoyed these episodes, be sure and go to whatever platform you use to stream your podcasts on and leave a review for the landscape photography show, because that's how we're able to get these messages and these tips and this advice out to so many other photographers who probably need to hear the exact same thing that you heard. So again, please leave a review, a review. We love it if you would do that. And if you haven't already, go to landscapephotographyuniversity.com slash stream and start streaming that free streaming course right now. See you in the next episode.